Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am Joe Masato, joined, of course, by Joel Lorenzi. Joel was in Denver last night on Saturday night. We're, we're recording this on Sunday night. And Joel, we've, we've talked about, you know, a couple chances for the Thunder to get a signature win. I would say that the Thunder's 118 to 117 win in Denver on Saturday night was their signature win of the season. Yeah, it's hard to have a discussion now. Like I think we it was debatable with, you know, their Golden State trip and just the fashion and how they had to win that game and, you know, Golden State, the optics there because it is Golden State. Um, obviously, since then, like I mentioned this in my story, I think, yesterday, like the optics with the Golden State win maybe have changed for some people because mm-hmm. Golden State's kind of unraveled and whatever they're, like, kind of in shambles. Um, I don't think it takes away from what they did that day. Um, but, I mean, the fashion of this game, just the way it unfolded, obviously the defending champion – um, they're they almost never lose their step even even when um you know Jamal Murray was out and so um, this is still a formidable team this is still the team you have to beat in the West to me and the way they did it um basically never having control of that game until Shea shot is like that's that felt like a statement win for sure I think everybody can agree on that yeah it wasn't it wasn't one of those nights where you know, the Nuggets just had a bad game and, you know, the Thunder were able to come in there and surprise them. I mean, the Nuggets were in control throughout. Thunder made some huge plays on both ends of the floor down the stretch. And we got to start at the very end. Shea Gilgis Alexander, less than a second left, hits the game winner. It looked like the most, like, casual, easy game. Like, I had little doubt it was going in. I mean, it just seemed like he got to to his perfect spot. And um, as, as you wrote about after the game kind of was emotionless afterward. He's just kind of been um, kind of like a silent killer type. Yeah, it's almost like he's been conditioned to do that because you've, you've seen the evolution of how he reacts to game winners. And maybe some of the elements of it were that there was still .9 left. That's more than enough time for a team like the Nuggets to kind of draw something up and, and make something happen. But um, even after, you know, the, when the buzzer sounded, there's no emotion there. Like, you don't see anything. And you, you've seen the evolution. Like, back when he hit that game winner against the Clippers, he's doing, like – He's doing all type of dances and all that. Like that was not the case yesterday. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's because you know everything that you know they won't admit it, but everything that's gonna go into this matchup, not just this year and now and this moment, but in the year to come. You know, Mike Malone kind of talked about it before the game in terms of you know the alignment between the two teams, what OKC is trying to do, and and what Denver was trying to do a few years ago, and how similar it is. Like there is some, there is some weight to this matchup. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um, in terms of how much he just wanted to, you know, just take care of business. But there was no emotion behind it. And maybe that's just the kind of player. I mean, he's talked this year about, you know, trying to be one of the best players ever. Like, the dialogue with him has kind of changed. Like, he's mm-hmm. taken a more serious tone about his career and about, you know, the team's direction. And I imagine some of that has leaked into this too cool, emotionless, like, 
cowboy guns of blaze type thing you know so it kind of fits his whole vibe like you know off the court he's like you know mr gq everything's cool and you know on the court it's like he's not doing anything unexpected he's just kind of going about his business we're in like on the inside you know he's got to be going crazy and, and and fired up because it's a big time win um but joe i thought what struck me last night was especially down the stretch when you talk about the thunder's Big three. I think it's fair to use this now with Shea, J Dub, and Chet. All of those guys made huge plays down the stretch. Um, I wrote a little bit more about uh Chet's nine blocks, mm-hmm. which was the most blocks in any NBA game this season. Um and his his total line uh had only been matched by four other rookies in NBA history. So he had 17 points, eleven rebounds, nine blocks. Um, the other rookies to do that are all Hall of Famers, Alonzo so Mourning, Shaq, David Robinson, and Ralph Sampson. So when you're sharing Unreal. the company with some of the best bigs of all time, um, it's pretty special. And uh, man, that like his ninth block was that you know from behind getting Aaron Gordon, uh, who's one of the best leapers in the NBA probably still, and he's just he just deterred so much at the rim, even with Jokic. I thought he battled Jokic and you saw so much improvement from, you know, that first home game of the season when the Nuggets blew the Thunder out to the Thunder and Chet specifically adapting to the matchup. Yeah, no, and I, I don't know if it was, I mean, I, I understand to my understanding, Jokic is, is not the, the happiest person on earth when they lose um, and just on certain days, but the way he talked about Chet was like, I don't know, it was a mix of like, you know, he was, he almost, I think when I asked, he kind of cut me off. I was like, yeah, yeah, like he was good. He was good. Like, come on, y'all, y'all watch the game. Like, you, you know, he was good. And um, he was just, he's, I think his exact words are, he did a great job of just being there. Like, he was around. I think that's a, a theme for teams. Like, um, the deterrence, just the sheer presence for a dude that Jokic himself said he needs to get fatter. Like, it, it hasn't looked that way as he plays teams and they're like, steering away from the rim and he's getting like tip blocks. I mean, there was, there was that one sequence in the third quarter where he had three blocks in a row. Like some of the shit he's doing is unreal. And you, you mentioned a company that he's in and it's like, none of those dudes are from the modern era. Like you're not seeing modern era rookies do that stuff, man. Like it's, it, I, I think what we're witnessing is special. Um, and it was, it was probably appropriately time because I think we are at such prisoners at a moment um, and the Wimby, I think the Wimby candidacy for rookie of the year was probably starting to heat up and, and Chet's because of the the drop-off in efficiency from three. I, I don't know what he is in recent games, but um, the other night I think he was like three for his last 17 or something going in the sack. Not not great. So um, his his momentum was starting to die down, but you have a performance like that on that stage against a team like that. Um, and, I mean, Denver, I think, took I, – I wrote this in my story. I don't remember the exact percentage, but – they took like forty-two percent of their shots last night around the around the rim. Like mm-hmm. they, they they spent a lot of time around the rim, and he spent a lot of time just tormenting them, bro. It was insane. Yeah, I, I've got the uh, shot chart pulled up. So the Nuggets at the rim um, were eighteen of thirty-seven, which is forty-eight point six percent. League average at the rim is 65.7 percent. So they were you know eighteen points below league average. The Thunder, meanwhile. Uh, was 25 of 33 at the rim. That's 76%. So, I mean, that's that's the shots that Chet is blocking, but also just the sh- shots that he's making really uncomfortable um, down there. And, 
yeah, you, you mentioned all those names. I mean, none of them are, you know, none were rookies this century. I, I mean, you got to go back to like the, the early nineties when, when guys were putting up these, these kind of stat lines. And, um, obviously he, he's just so advanced on the offensive end as well. It's, he's, I don't know, man. I, I mean, the rookie of the year race, I feel like we're at the point where it was a foregone conclusion before the season that Wimby was going to win. And it's yeah. like, hey, Chet, you got to pay attention to him. And right now it's like Chet by a mile. Like, I, I, I just think what he's doing okay. and it contributing to winning is, is pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it, 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 that's what separates it, the, the impact on winning. And that's the same with, you know, Shea's case in terms of MVP, the, mm-hmm. the leap they've made as a winning team and and how serious it's starting to look, how serious we have to take them. Like that's that's factoring into all these cases for awards. And and like you said, bro, nobody from the century, like, dude, they was delivering milk and trucks back then when when these dudes were rookies. You know what I'm saying? Like he he is like Were they still doing that in the nineties? Come on. I mean, shit, you would know better than I would. You don't want to watch. Yeah. By the way, by the way, if you're listening to this, I mean you are gonna be listening to this later than his birthday, but Happy belated to Joe Blow himself. You're officially 30. You're officially at the age where Sam Presti probably wouldn't trade for you at this juncture. I, so congrats I, on being washed. <laughs> I'm 30. Um, I think it's an appropriate age for me. I, I feel like I'm... You feel 30. You feel very 30. Yeah. I'll just say I'm in my 30s. But um, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I was watching this this game uh, on my birthday. But... Um, it would have spent it. It was a good game. Dub was good. Anything uh, you want to say about him? Dub? Oh, you know, I I do. I didn't want to. I didn't think last night was the time for this because of um, how much, how many layers there were to this game. Um, I did think it was interesting because my story on this did run in the paper um, about, you know, his role in that second unit and Mm -hmm. um, them using him as a primary. I thought it was pretty frustrating um, to watch. Just the way those minutes unfolded yesterday, like I think um, to start that second quarter, it was him and, and Chet in the lineup. That, that's who was leading that lineup. No, no Shea, obviously. And I think they I, – I don't think – they definitely lost those minutes. I don't know about how, how much. But it was it was non, non-Jokic, non-Murray minutes. Like this was like DeAndre Jordan, Reggie Jackson minutes. Like these were like – this was not a good lineup in the year of our lower 2023 and they lost those minutes like badly. And then to start the fourth quarter, they were better, um, but still lost those minutes to like Christian Brown, Julian Schroeder, like probably not what you want to see. And I don't think I can't remember no, because that Denver game was just so heavy. But I think in sack something similar unfolded. So not a great week for for the case I made in that story. But um you look down a stretch. And I think he probably learned from some of those minutes because um, you look down the stretch and when he's next to Shea, when he's next to whoever, um, dude, he had some crazy plays in that yeah. in that fourth quarter. I mean, he was huge when Shea got the steal on Michael Porter um, and kicked it up to, to Chet for the lob. He was huge. I mean, we've seen it get buried, but people are kind of starting to like dig it up today after in the aftermath. But that, that layup with, you know, however many seconds mm-hmm. to go, I think it was like the bucket right before – Shays with like 30 something seconds left. He's jumping in the, I mean, the entire team collapsed. He's jumping in like three, three or four dudes, and he finished that with with ease. I mean, I'm I'm when I'm watching, I'm like, yo, that's a bad shot. But it it it, it really didn't look that way at all by the time it went down. It that was insane. And it got buried, obviously, because Shay did what Shay did and, and Chet did what Chet did. But um he was he was pretty good 
two yesterday. Yeah, you know, he came in last year just as a third-year college guy is more like physically advanced, but then it was a whole big deal this offseason with, you know, how much muscle he put on. But, like, you can see that in some of his takes to the rim where he's just, like, not afraid to go in there, and he's he's able to finish through traffic, um, which is really impressive. Uh, yeah, and there are, there are two plays I think people should go back and watch that I went back and watched and was like, Damn, like in terms mm-hmm. of the like you mentioned the muscle building, like there, I think in the final, I don't remember if this was the final minute. It was definitely in the final two minutes where um Shea crosses half court. He sees he sees what's about to unfold from the defense. He kicks up to to J Dub and Shride. And I think Michael Porter Jr. is trying to get set. So J Dub goes left, bumps off him, and like gets as much separation as he's ever gonna need. And gets mm-hmm. that little short pull up, and then uh, there was a play earlier in the game when Dub had one of those dunks, and he just absolutely trucked Michael Porter Jr. Dude, <laughs> like in the most legal way possible. Like it was like a Madden hit stick, bro. It was insane. Uh, if there's a negative from this game, I I think it was, I mean not not like a negative with necessarily how he played, but just the trend of how Josh Giddy's season has gone. Uh, Giddy, per usual, was was he's still in the starting lineup, but he played 15 minutes and 20 seconds, which he's in his third NBA season now. Um, you can even go back to his rookie year. That that's the fewest minutes he's played in any game in his career. We know the off court stuff. We know the on court stuff. It's just been a a really bad year overall. Um, for Josh Giddy, I I don't know what the if there's anything else to to say on that, but like they're at the point now where it's clear that Mark is not afraid to just go away from him early. If he doesn't see, see it there on the defensive end, or if he doesn't look particularly engaged. I mean, I, I was watching on TV. It's like the booze. Every time he touched the ball were, were loud again last night. Uh, just what, what can you, uh, any, you see any light at the end of the tunnel for this, uh, for Josh Giddy's play right now? Can't say I do, man. And I, I don't know that it's um like I haven't been around a while. I don't know Presty's tendencies hundred percent. It doesn't feel like he's the type of dude to just get off of Giddy in a trade just because of all that's surrounding mm-hmm. him and, and how he's playing now. Um I think they're real long term. I I still think they see a vision for him. I I don't know that I personally do. I know the fans are like completely disinterested and mm-hmm. and have probably moved on from him already. Um which I mean looking at this stretch of games now it's no longer a trend like that's probably fair. Um in terms of his minutes now and where he sits in the rotation, I think Mark um like you said he's come to the understanding like he won't he won't close games. Um starting probably doesn't mean as much as to, to him, at least, as it does to other people. Um, and I think, like, I've written this before, but when people want to, you know, slot Isaiah Joe there, um, I just think Isaiah Joe is so necessary to their second unit, um, so necessary to those those dub minutes to start the, the second quarter, just necessary to a lot of lineups that just don't start the game um, for, for pop like that, for necessary offensive pop. Um, and so, like, yeah, it would he would probably be – more than fine in the starting lineup. I just don't think Mark values that whole, who's starting and who's not um, mm-hmm. as much as other people. But I mean, yeah, there is a there. There has to be something. There has to be a tweak. Like, um, and I think Cliff Brunt kind of hinted at this in, in a question he asked a couple weeks ago. 
and that, you know, has Mark thought about, you know, adjustments and, and tweaking, you know, that kind of thing. And I think what Cliff was really getting at was like, hey, have you thought about doing anything but, but start Giddy? Like, have you thought about him running the, the second unit? And maybe they're just, they're so in tune with J.W. running that second unit for development or whatever the case may be. Um, but Mark kind of brushed it off. You know, you know, Mark, man, I don't, I don't think he would uh, delve deep into that, but um, I, I think that's probably the next step for them. And then if that doesn't work, um, I mean, his fate here, I mean, you, you see, he's, he's clearly not the most, um, his fit as, a, as one of the cogs is not the best now. I mean, people are already thinking about marketing and whatever. I mean, fans have been pitching that for, you know, since the summer. And so I think fans are like completely disengaged with him by now. No. Yeah. I, I'm guilty of this too, but I, I mean, we just have very short memories when it comes to things like this. Like it was less than a year ago. It, it was like nine months ago that, that Josh Giddy uh, just had a phenomenal game against the Pelicans in, in the Thunder's play and win, which, you know, got them to that game at Minnesota, one game away from the playoffs as a 20 year old last year. 16.6 points, 7.9 rebounds, 6.2 assists uh, on 48% shooting. So that that wasn't that long ago. Uh, obviously, a lot has changed. Um, he's still yeah. just 21 years old. The thing about trading him, like, I'm I'm reminding myself of, like, what he has done because it's like I'm, I'm in the same boat where it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't really see the fit, like, this this isn't working but like sam presti is a, a pretty smart guy and and i don't think he's going to trade josh giddy at josh giddy's lowest possible value like he's you could have traded josh giddy in the offseason and gotten a ton uh if you trade josh yeah. giddy now you're getting the off-court baggage and you're getting a guy who looks completely lost so i think Damn. it benefits the thunder to stick with him to to at least see if he can figure this out yeah they probably got to see it through two more things i'll add before we move on um like you said like i i'm seeing there's so many delusional fans that are like they they, they want to center a marketing pa uh, package um around him like around him and and like door or something it's like dude do you think J danny ainge is a dumbass like let's get real yeah. like like these are two dudes who are like probably in terms of gms across the league have, have the biggest piss fest with anybody like they are gonna try to be the ultimate masterminds and and i don't th I, I don't think uh i don't think they'd be trying to fleece each other i think they both get what they need out of said trade but giddy giddy's like a like this is a non-starter if you're centering your package around giddy at yeah. this point in time and and then uh i mean kind of like you said they just they got to see it through but at the same time it, it's it's been amazing to me um just to see like Maybe maybe amazing is not the right word. It's it's been insane and just to see the amount of time it takes before teams, you know, scout teams, whatever, adjust to said player or whoever or whatever the case may be. Like mm -hmm. in in three years, um, Giddy's like completely ineffective versus you know when he was a, a rookie, he was getting casual triple doubles. Like it's insane how this whole thing is unfolded. So yeah, I mean the the Thunder is just getting schemed for in ways that they weren't going through the rebuild. Um, you know, that's 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 what happens when you become a good team and you're surrounded by more talent and everything like that. Um 
let's get into this a little bit. Uh, speaking of trades, so um, I was listening to our to our good friends on Down to Dunk, and Alex Spears brought up the point that you know, if anything, the Thunder's history has taught us that when you think a window is wide open it might not be as open as you think with the first iteration of the Thunder, three future MVPs on the squad. Um, and, you know, if, if the Thunder, even if they defy logic about being this good, this young, even if, you know, we all know Chet's a rookie, but he's a rookie playing at an all-star or, or near all-star level. I don't think the Thunder's sense of urgency is changing whatsoever. I think they are just over the moon that the team is gelling this quickly. Um, I think they are very much still viewing this year as let's see what we have and what they have is a lot better than anyone, even them expected. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not going to be like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about to, to people that say maybe they should make a splashy trade. I have no idea what that is. Um, I don't think this team is, a championship contender. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I get the argument that, you know, the window seems wide open for two, three, four, five years to come. It's not always that, but at the same time, like the Thunder got a great win at Denver last night. The Thunder, this version of the Thunder has not, has not played in a playoff series. Um, Shea has played in one playoff, well, two playoff series, his rookie season with the Clippers. They lost to the Warriors. Then first season with the Thunder in the bubble, losing to the Rockets. Shea has yet to win a playoff series. So I would say, like, be excited about where the Thunder is. But, like, is this the time where you, where you know it's like you can just, you know, push the gas pedal down? I'm not quite there yet, Joel. Yeah, I'm not either. And and people are going to be pissed probably by the end of this year because I think if Pressy makes any deadline moves, it's going to be for some reserve or some rotational yeah. dude. Like, it's not going to be... I, I was talking to Tony Jones last night in Denver um, who covers the Jazz. And we were just laughing about um, the ideas people have of packages for marketing, the idea of, you know, how I think... One, what kind of player they think he is because of the packages they're trying to throw out there, but also how... Maybe not gullible, but how bendable they think Danny Ainge is. Like it's gonna take a miracle package, uh, probably something that features Jalen Williams, which I imagine is a non-starter. Um, yeah, that's, so that's a non-starter. Like, so that's off the table. And then when you look across the board, um, marketing, and this is like I'm not, I'm not basing this off any rumors. This is purely based on what people thought was a great fit dating back to the summer. Um, marketing is probably the best guy because he where he is right now, um, what kind of player he is, what he can add to this team without maybe subtracting a ton. But also I have made the argument that people shouldn't view it as strictly additive. And so, um, yeah, like you you said it, this team hasn't reached a playoff series. Um, you can't just add a, you know, an all-star caliber guy um, as your third or fourth option mid-year. And expect them to to win. I mean, I think people what they're really trying to see is a NBA Finals this year, which is like crazy to me. They're talking about championship window and stuff like that. And I mean, not only not only are you not guaranteed to win multiple playoff series, but you're not guaranteed to reach a finals if you 
if you bring him through. So it's like, I don't know. People are delusional. Um, they're also like kind of not in tune with I think Presti's values. Um, I, I'm I'm fully under the belief that this team they they want to they want to see like kind of like you said what this team can do first before they start seeing what's really missing. If they have to make a big splash, if they can ride out with the core three and and just add subtle pieces, um, people are, you know, they're excited about this thing because there are so many good contracts on this team and whatever. Um, but I don't know that it's smart to to act on a big splash, especially when the big splash that makes the most sense is probably not as attainable as people are dreaming of. Yeah, and like, you know, the obvious guy to, to include in trade talks, like we just said, Josh Giddy, it's like, doesn't make any sense now. And I look at it like, okay, you've got a starting lineup, Giddy, of course, SGA, Holmgren, J-Dub, Dort. Um, you feel good about that. Off the bench, Isaiah Joe, you want him to keep playing minutes. You don't want to take anything away from Kaysen Wallace. Um, Kenrich Williams and Aaron Wiggins, I, I, I would trust both of those guys with my life. Uh, you feel completely safe when they're out on the floor. Maybe it's that that Jay Will spot, like he plays twenty two minutes last night. Maybe you know, but but then we're talking about too. we're we're talking about a backup big though. Like I just don't. Even if you add like some splashy piece, like are you wanting to like take minutes away or move off any of these young guys right now? Like I think it's the best case scenario. Yes, agreed. And that's and that's why I say you can't view this thing, even if you do have the chance to add marketing in a best case scenario where you don't give up what you view as like a huge core piece moving forward. You can't just view this thing as strictly additive, especially if it's a midseason ad. Like that's something you still have to work through. You have to there has to be some role definition there. Like it's it, it's it's not strictly additive, man. Especially when you're like trying to win a uh, NBA finals this year. This is what it seems like people are like aiming for. Like, like, come on, dude. Listen, if the everyone's expectations are skewed based on what's happened so far, but if the Thunder wins a playoff series and then gets bounced in round two, I think that is a definite win this season for this team to, to win a playoff series. Like I, I think it's a little, little too much to go too much further than that. Um, but again, I'm I'm the one that continually underestimates them, and they have been mighty good. Joel, we're going to end true. with this today. Tim Bontemps from ESPN. He puts together ESPN's MVP straw poll, basically gets uh, a, a pool of voters that will represent the actual people who are going to be voting on this award. I, I've been a voter the past few seasons. Are we both getting votes? I, I doubt I will be... Asked to this season, and if I am, I will gladly defer to you since you're going to be around the league um, more more than I am. So um, the Bontem straw poll obviously isn't as serious, but it's like the perfect snapshot of kind of where this race is. So just like on the official MB MVP ballot, um, he asked us to submit five names in order. Um, we both sent in our names, and, and we don't know which what the other has sent in. Should we start from from five and, and then work our yes, way up? Yes, from five, from five. And I'm going to preface this by saying, Tim DM me. His last message to me was, I think all your MVP sentiments are accurate. So prepare to be wrong, by the oh, way. Oh, wow. I, I, I did not get that sort of affirmation from of him. Of course so. you didn't. Let's, let's go with five. What's, what's your five? Number five. I've got Giannis. <gasps> 
Oh, how could you? That's nasty work. Oh, that's you bad. have him higher is what I'm guessing. Yes, of course. T- tell me why you have him at five. Okay. If I tell you that... Listen, I I, I had him fifth when I did this exercise last week. Sure. Um, he is He's putting up insane numbers, 31.6 points. He's, he's shooting... Four point game since last week. He he's shooting a career high sixty three percent from the field. It's nuts. I hated the whole game ball situation and how he acted on that. This I'm is not... what you're joking. You're joking. You're joking. Yo, <laughs> get off the pod. Are you kidding me? This can't be your reasoning. Yo, strip. I hope the NBA is listed to strip this man of his vote. for the straw poll. You're gonna strip me of my straw poll vote. Yes. Um. What a nerdy. No, I, I I think I would have had him there regardless. I'm just saying I didn't like that. That was that was ridiculous. But anyway, I have a fifth. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't the best thing optics wise. But um, who's, your, who's your number five? My five is Luca, only mm. because, um, and he, you know what, he probably could move up some. But I just think it's hard for me to say. Oh, you know, I should move the other few down because I think the four above him are like pretty damn good right now, and they're all on good teams. The thing, the, the one knock to Giannis, I'll say, is that the Bucks haven't been as good as I thought they would be, and obviously they got some things to work out. Um, this whole Dame pairing is new. I think there are ways they can use each other that just haven't been used to the degree yet. Um, there are probably some questions about um, Griffin, but I don't know, man. I, I still think Giannis is a dog. You you mentioned all the things that are going for him and we are this is a prisoner of the moment thing right and and it has to be because we're only 20 something games in and he just dropped 64 so um he's up there man i think he just passed uh kareem tonight too as the bucks all-time rebounding leader so um he's up there man i i always got the utmost respect for Giannis, and so um so luca's my fifth Giannis is above him um that's probably who who would have been fifth otherwise for me Giannis is, is right there i think but so you have Giannis fourth um yes yes i think i think that's what i sent him oh my gosh sorry about take away a vote shut up, shut up. <laughs> also you are poo-pooing my Giannis vote at five and you have them all the way up at four one well, spot okay. ahead i told you just before we started recording i thought him and Jokic could have been interchangeable but i i i, I don't know because Jokic or Doncic. Jokic, because Jokic is my third. We're kind of skipping now, but, oh, wow. but this is why. This is why I said this because it is a prisoner of the moment thing. I think I have somebody that's past Jokic now because of this this re- the recent memory. You know the recent stuff that's going on. You know Jokic got ejected last week, which definitely didn't help his case. He also had two of his worst shooting efficiency performances of his career uh, within the last month. So I just think because this is a prisoner of the moment thing, as great as he is, as much of an annual candidate as he is. Um, you got to factor that stuff in when you're voting 20 games in. Jo- Joel, who do you, you have? Luka Doncic at, at five. five. Great player, by the way. He's had a great year. Who do you have at four? Giannis. I'm I'm locking that in at four. <laughs> okay, I have. So so we're we're two for two, but we flipped them. I have Giannis at five, Luka at four. Who's your number three? Jokic. Who's yours, Joe? Looks like you're panicking. Y'all can't see him, but he's like panicking right now. Wait, I, I, uh, this is crazy. Wait. <laughs> oh, I was looking. I... Dude, spit it out. I... <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, wait. Who'd you have? Uh, three. Jokic. Okay, I, I have Shade three. 
Because as much as I can, as much as I'm gonna knock Jokic for recent memory, like Jokic is still Jokic. He's still a top three candidate to me. The Nuggets are still very, very good. Um, so it was hard for me to. I mean, I th I thought about maybe putting Giannis three just because this past week, but that's like two percent of the moment. So yeah, Jokic is definitely my third. Yeah, I uh, explain I've... Shea at explain Shea at three. Okay, well, since since we've totally gone out of order and we're running out of time, mm -hmm. uh, I have Joel Embiid number one, which I I just think he's been incredible this year. What he's doing as a facilitator in that offense, and he he's the reigning MVP, and he's playing even better, I think, on both ends of the floor than he did last year. I have Jokic too. Um, efficiency is not not as high this year, but at the same time, he's shouldering a bigger offensive burden. They just got Jamal Murray back. Um, we all know what Jokic is. That that's as much of a you know kind of he he's earned that spot to me. And then yeah, I have Shea three every year. I I have Shea three, um, which again like sounds like too high too low it's just crazy we're talking about him as a top three player but um where, where do you have him so this is this is why he tim said he agreed with my sentiments because i had Embiid one shay two but i told him after last night i think they're interchangeable at this mm. moment because we are presenting a moment we are talking about this moment right now and shay that was absolutely an mvp performance last night and when you factor in uh i think the the impact on winning, even when they lost in sack earlier in the week, like he went crazy. And that's when they're throwing constant double teams at him. I think the starters honestly just will do until it matters. The starters let him down. Um, and he dropped 43, bro. Like he's, he's been phenomenal. Um, two way guy, stamp two way guy, um, game winner yesterday, which was a, a moment, an MVP moment. Yeah. Um, and I think, not only just the impact on winning, but the leap this team has taken in terms of a winning team. I think that's what you got to consider. I, I, you made great points with Embiid. That's why I think they're interchangeable. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about the same guys here. Shout out to Tyrese Halliburton, to LeBron James, to Kevin Durant. Uh, you made yeah. the honorable mentions. Um, that is going to do it for us today. We've got to run. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we'll see you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.